This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham. We're still at Amelia Island and loving it. We got meetings galore today. The football coaches put the bow on it. Basketball coaches are busy. Jim Phillips leading everybody down the hallway to another meeting. <laughs> and of course, a little ominous out there this morning in the backdrop. Really? It's still a beautiful, really? beautiful place. Really? I, Man, nothing I'm wrong with this. Nothing this wrong is with this. This a gorgeous place. I cannot brag enough. They do not pay me to say this, but West Durham, people should make a road trip to Amelia Island. This is some kind of place. Yeah. Right? You spent a little time on the beach yesterday. I was on the there beach There were yesterday. reports. You went to the beach. Uh, there's no B-roll footage of me no, no. like the guy wrestling the alligator that we kept showing yesterday, but uh, did, the, did the beach yesterday. I mean, it was nice. And Beautiful. the question America wants to know no, this morning. No, The big toe did not hit the water. I was not the visiting team at any point in time in the Atlantic Ocean yesterday, but this is a gorgeous place. Yep. While we're having fun in front of the camera, doing interviews, cutting up and everything else, there's still a lot of important business to take place. Yeah, here. welcome to day two of our coverage from Amelia Island. Uh, this is a very busy show. We are uh, 14 minutes away or less from the Clemson football coach Dabo Sweeney sitting down with us here, and we will talk to him about all the topics that have kind of been on board. But most importantly, the one thing we talked about yesterday that has emerged at the top is the scheduling principles. And the move to potentially abolish the divisions, the Atlantic and Coastal, would not start this fall. It would be a 2023 at the earliest. Um, and remove Atlantic and Coastal divisions and go to a 3-5 rotation. It would be three permanent opponents, home and away, every other year type deal. And then you would have five in the rotator. It would increase the frequency of conference opponents and conference rivalries, if you will. And would it put the Atlantic Coast Conference, once the college football playoff expands to 12, into a better position for multiple appearances? Well, the only way that you answer that question is you got to win games. That's it. Right? Whether, regardless what your scheduling philosophy and format is, you got to win to get in the tournament. And eventually, I do think the college football playoff is going to expand. But I like the concept. I said to you yesterday, it doesn't matter to me if you go to two permanent and rotate accordingly or three permanent and rotate accordingly. To me, as a fan, yeah. that is a good thing because you get a chance to see everybody in your conference on a more recent and for frequent basis. And, and to me, that's all upside. So yeah. if you go to the three five five, which you'll hear about, which is, again, three permanent, five-year place, five on the road, I think it's all good. Yeah. I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. So the rotations and all the math, we'll talk to Dabo about that and more. Obviously, Clemson has been through their spring drills. Uh, he's Seen some guys go in the NFL draft, all sorts of things coming up with the Tiger head coach here in about oh, 13 or 14 minutes. Uh, there is more discussion about name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, things of that nature. You're going to get interviews today. Jim Laranega live here at the bottom of the hour following Coach Sweeney. Uh, 8 o'clock hour, Mac Brown and Courtney Banghart, of course, of North Carolina football and women's basketball, respectively. And then Seth Greenberg and Josh Pastner. Uh, incredibly insightful stuff from both Seth and Josh as it relates to where college basketball is going in this world. And the path of all of this may be more um, volatile for basketball than football pack. Well, it's, it's difficult for everybody. Uh, we've been to a couple of these, and I don't remember another time right. talking to coaches last night. And you name the sport, you name the school. Yep. And they were almost, like, exhausted. I mean, we're down here having fun at Amelia Allen in front of the camera cutting up. But 
there's, like I said, there's really serious work being yep. done on the other side of the camera here. But it almost looked like everybody had been through the ringer yesterday mm -hmm. in terms of, hey, what are the rules? How are we going about this? What, what do you think the direction is going to be as far as changes with the name, image, and likeness rules, the transfer portal? And you could just tell coaches are like almost at wit's end about, hey, how are we going to move forward with this stuff? And what can we expect? Right now, it's, that line is moving apparently at all times. That's correct. Um, and it's not football men's and women's basketball, there is concern, even among faculty athletic representatives uh, who are also meeting here along with senior women's administrators and ADs and whatnot, but the FARs, their goal is to look at this from the, from the traditional education model. Right. How does that work as we move forward? They are the ones that go back in the ACC diagram, an org chart if you will, they're the ones that have the direct connection with the chief executive officers, the presidents, chancellors, what have you, at the respective institutions. So their role here is not to be underestimated in terms of the success of the ACC. Yeah, there's so many moving parts right now. And I know that if you're a fan sitting at home watching this or listening to us, you're like, well, just come up with a solution. Well, if it was that easy, we would have had that done two years ago. And the NCAA would have been in front of name, image, and likeness. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. So right. literally, everybody's now playing a little catch-up trying to figure out, all right, how do you figure out a way to kind of get in front of the parade if that's even possible? Yeah. So. It is a difficult task, but again, all the smart people are in the room trying to figure this thing out. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover. We'll do that before uh, 10 o'clock this morning. A lot of guests. And then uh, tomorrow, a huge show, including the commissioner of the ACC, Jim Phillips, with a half hour with us here tomorrow on set at Amelia Island. We do have some ACC news last night from the bigs. How about the former Louisville Cardinal, Reed Detmers, tossing a no-no last night on the Tampa Bay Rays. Detmers, in his first year in the bigs, Spends a no-hitter last night, Pack, for the uh, for the Angels, if you will, against uh, against the Rays. Here's the workout in Anaheim last night of the former Louisville left-hander. Pretty impressive. I mean, no disrespect. Now you know how I feel. I'm a National League guy, but man, when somebody's throwing no-nos in the American League, yep. I'm all for it. And I'm glad to see that the best team in Los Angeles continues to have success. <laughs> That's the thing I'm on. As long as they get rid of that stupid yeah. rally monkey, which still bothers me from 17, 18 years ago. I don't ago, think they have that anymore. I'm good. They need yeah. to get rid of that thing. But uh, Reed Detmers, man, tip of the hat. That was strong last night. Yep. So congratulations to Reed Detmers. And the Giants won too. That's not in case anybody was like, going to ask about that. Big win for the Giants, knocking off Colorado. So I'll just throw that one in there. If we're going to go Major League Baseball with you at 7.05 this morning. You got any word on Aaron Katzman's Cardinals? Uh, yeah, Katzman, Aaron Katzman's Cardinals uh, better get ready because uh, my boys great. are rolling into St. Louis yeah. this weekend. That's, That's what great. I do know to be yeah. a fact. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to know about baseball? No, I think we're covered. All right, just want to take care of that. Red Sox won the other night at uh, Truist Field. Yeah, beat the Braves. They did. Defending yeah. world champs. That's it. Your man yeah. Roddy Jones not real thrilled with no, you with that. No, but my son liked it, so oh, there we go. Got that going for you. Uh, all right. Uh, we are uh, underway. This could be an interesting day on the program. You'll get a lot of opinions on the landscape of college athletics. Uh, Mac Brown, I will tell you, we recorded yesterday. Josh Pastner, Courtney Banghart as well, and, and Seth Greenberg. And I will point out, again, we, we, we kidded around by being here on the patio. We called it our patio. We, we brought out rocking chairs and everything else yesterday afternoon doing a bunch of interviews. But I will tell you, the interviews with Courtney Banghart and Josh Pastner and Mac Brown they really give you a front row seat with the craziness that they have to deal with. Right. And again, we'll get into, forget about X's and O's and what your team's going to look like. We got into kind of philosophical, where are we session. So coming up later this morning, when you hear and see those interviews, you'll get a good handle on the problems at hand 
for every coach, regardless of sport. All right, tell me what you think before we get to Dabo here. Give me your day two thought on this 3-5 scheduling model in the ACC if divisions are wiped out. I, I like it. I mean, I, like I said yesterday, I think either the two or the three permanent host right. for the league is an improvement over the current situation. I think, again, as a fan, regardless of what school you follow, you want to see games of interest. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you're going to have to write a check for season tickets or, hey, I'm just going to pick a game and go, right. you want to go see games that matter, games that you care about. And to me, the more conference action you can get and on a consistent basis, the better. I mean, the fact that Florida State hasn't been to Virginia Tech since 2012 sure. is inexcusable. Those are two brand names that haven't seen each other in 10 years in Blacksburg. we got to cut that nonsense out. So I am pro, pro, pro. The idea of whether you go two or three, and it seems like the lean is to a three-five-five concept. I'm all for it. I think yeah, it's good. That's the part about this that I would share with you is that I think it offers the Atlantic Coast Conference. You know, look, the divisional model had a purpose when it was instituted, when the expansion to 12 occurred, and obviously it's evolved to 14 with the addition of other institutions. But the thing about this is exactly what you just said: the inventory of ACC football would improve. Now, there are going to be some divisional loyalists in this, and I understand that too. Uh, some of that may fall across Atlantic and coastal lines. For instance, you know, coastal, they may not want to change. The teams in the coastal, the volatility, the seven and seven years type thing, some people may not want to see a change there. The Atlantic, meanwhile, may be wanting to change. Why? Because Clemson's been dominant in that division. I understand those thinkings, but at this particular point, what's going to give the ACC the best leverage going forward? That's the real question here. It's not an individual school situation, Pac. To me, it's a situation where you've got to do what's best collaboratively for your league here. I just think your fans want to see everybody play on a consistent basis. Like I said, it's almost inexcusable that Florida State hasn't been to Blacksburg since 2012. Like, for example, I think this year Virginia goes to Syracuse right. for the very first time since Syracuse has joined the league. I mean... You know, we're all in this together from an ACC perspective, so you want to see these games on a more consistent basis. And on the other side of it, I think it also gives you the opportunity from a television perspective to have better games. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Florida State hasn't been to Blacksburg in that environment at Lane Stadium and here come the Knowles, I mean, that's a game you want to see. So I'm all for it. I think the league's heading in the right direction from that perspective. Yeah, and I think the other part, too, and this is the important thing, you'll see everybody in the league in a two-year span. Right. Which, why would you not like that? Yeah. I think if you're a fan, regardless if your team's good, bad, or indifferent, that's something that you want to see. The league's always done a nice job in terms of non-conference scheduling. I mean, you don't want to load up on three roast beef A&Ms and, hey, we'll jump in the league play. You go play people of note. Again, this is kind of a separate issue, but if you want to change the ACC's football narrative, you've got to win those kind yeah. of games. But I like where the conference is going from a 3-5-5 standpoint. And I'm going to tell thing. you, hang around for 9.30 this morning, you're not going to believe what Josh Pastner says about scheduling. You're not going to believe what Josh Pastner suggested in the room to the basketball coaches yesterday. That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen. That is a tease. Josh Pastner uncorked something yesterday that you have never thought of. There, would that be fair? Yeah, and, and like I said, between Mac Brown, Courtney, and Josh yesterday with our patio edition when rocking chairs, yeah, uh, you're going to hear some philosophical things that I think that will will you'll go, wow, I never thought of it that way. Right. In terms of what, from a scheduling perspective, and what these coaches are going through 
with name, image, and likeness, the Transfer Portal. Mac Brown tells some stories regarding the Transfer Portal that will blow your socks off. Not that we wear socks here, but uh, you'll understand what we're saying. But Mac was really, really interesting. And this is a guy that's had great experience winning a national championship at Texas. We know he's done it in North Carolina. Right. He's been in the television business. He understands the big picture as well as anybody. And he, I thought he was fascinating yesterday. All right, so day two from Amelia Island is uh, off and running. Jim Laranega, the basketball coach at Miami, uh, joins us bottom of the hour. He's headed into a meeting. So that's what they all do here is head into meetings. Well, they do, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we use it as an excuse to get away from something, and people go, they're not going to any meetings, but there are really important people here doing really important work. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, we're not two of them. No, we're not. We're just really. in front of the parade. We're just kind of communicating the messages that come out. That's How's right. That? We're here for free uh, call. So day two of our three-day coverage from Amelia Island continues in a moment. We're underway in hour one and uh, scheduled to join us next is the Clemson Tigers head coach, Dabo Sweeney, <clears throat> set to be here live in an exclusive visit with Packer and Durham from the ACC spring meetings in Amelia Island next. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. We're going to talk to Dabo Sweeney because that's what he said his walk-up music was. And so the rest is history. Oh, what are we doing? KC and the Sunshine Band. You said it on the show. That's why we're playing. Well, that's a good one, you know. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Get you moving, man. Get your movie shoes yeah. on. I got, you, go. you would be surprised what's on my, my, it's not my iPod anymore. No, it my, used to be. My playlist. Yeah. How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. Good to be with y'all. Good morning. Yeah. I know you got some important business because you're wearing a belt. That tells me you're yeah. coming. You're, this yeah. means business today. <laughs> yeah. Come on in here with a belt on for crying out loud. <laughs> All right. So listen, we've been talking about you name it, name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, scheduling. Uh, you kind of like this three five five idea? I mean, it doesn't I, matter to you. I, it doesn't really matter, honestly. I mean, I'm I'm not passionate one way or the other. I, if we change to one division, I, I would, I can get on board with the three-five-five. Not that it matters, but um, of the changes that I've heard, to me, that makes the most sense. I personally, you know, like divisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my personal preference um, for various reasons. But I'm not really passionate about it one way or the other. I want to do what's best for the league. You know, if, if there's a lot more people smarter than me that are running this league that. They think that's what's best for this league, then hey, I'm I'm all for it. But um, so you know, I could go either way. You do see because, as you said, and I, that's exactly right. You have always talked about yes, Clemson, but the league, and the league is important. The uh, the globalization of the league, the ability to go play non-conference opponents, yep. things like that. In essence, though, and Mark just brought up what a handful of games. Uh, what Virginia, Syracuse, you guys play in Virginia Tech. I mean, there's. There are three or four examples of games that are occurring. What would you, Syracuse and Virginia play Florida for the first Florida State hasn't been to Virginia Tech since 2012. I mean, those are games you want to see. Yeah, right. It can't be 10 years in between. That's, sure. that's where this has got to go because it creates better inventory for the league, right? Yeah, and it's the same issues in all these other conferences, and some conferences are getting even bigger, and it's becoming more of a problem. So everybody's dealing with the same conversations. Uh, what's the best way to address it? And I think you can – I think you can address it with the divisions as well, mm-hmm. you know, with, with a little bit of uh, maybe a change in some of the cross-rival stuff, and you still got some issues there and how to protect it, and we've had some conversations there. But, uh, again, at the end of the day, what's best for the league uh, moving forward? You know, I think all of us would like our kids to 
have a, a, a quicker cycle, you know, through and, and being able to play everyone. Uh, it's good for the fans and et cetera. Um, but still a lot of conversation, I think, to go on that. You know, I know you don't spend one second on social media. So you don't care what anybody says. That would says. be correct. All right, and one second would be actually a way too much time. Uh, but you made a statement about a month or so ago about, hey, you know what? Th this is out of control in terms of transfer portal, name, image, and likeness. Nobody's talking about education anymore. And I, I think you were spot on. And, and you caught some grief on social media, which I know you don't care, whatever. But it's kind of funny how it's kind of recycled back to what you talked about four or five weeks ago regarding where we are in the big picture. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy times. I mean, it really is. And, and for me, I'm, I've, I've always been about education. I think that is, is and should be the number one thing. And nobody talks about that. You know, nobody talks about the value of an education and all that goes into to that and the long-term development of young men and preparation for life. Uh, it, it's really just become all about uh, short-term. And I just think that that is, uh, uh, it's not good for the game. It's not good for the young men, uh, quite frankly, you know. And, uh, you know, I think as adults, we got to do, do a better job in, in, in helping young people. They're 18 or 17, 18, 19 years old. And uh, most adults can take themselves back to that time and, and realize that, you know, okay, there, there's a lot of great changes. I'm, I'm you know. People write a lot of things that just aren't true, uh, but I just think that we have to focus on what's best for these young men long term. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, if we keep that and we keep education, and, and, and I'm, I said all these changes, a lot of changes are really good. There's so many things. One of the favorite, my favorite things of this crazy time we're in is I, as chaotic as it is, as uncontrolled as it is, uh, no, there's no rules. We have a terrible governance structure in college football. We, we the, the experts have no voice. Uh, we really don't. I mean, they're, it's one of the very few industries out there where the experts who really have spent their lives doing things, really have no say. Uh, and so you have a lot of people making the decisions that really have no, and it's not their fault, their intentions are great, but they really aren't equipped and to have the perspective to understand the consequences of some of the decisions. And uh, so, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting time, but I personally think that it's gonna put college football in a better place. As crazy as it is, and it might take 18 months, 24 months, but 36 months, but I think in the end, when it's all kind of settles out and it will, you know, there's always growing pains with everything. There's a lot of great things. Like, like I think the NIL is great. I know nobody wants to write that. Uh, I just think it's, it's being used in a way it was not intended. And uh, it's, it's a mess in a lot of ways. The, the, the transfer portal is a great thing. But as a lot of coaches predicted, it is a mess and it's sad. And the kids are gonna be the one that's gonna suffer in the end. And so, but I think it's going to lead us to a better place. I think we're going to get a, a better structure, a better, you know, what's it going to look like? We can talk about that for a long time. Uh, but in the end, I think, I think college athletics and college football in particular will be in a better place when it's all said and done. Because I, I've been coming to these meetings for 
I mean, let's see, this was 13 years ago. I walked in my first meeting with Bobby Bowden, you know, reading the USA Today. Um, and so I've seen a lot of these meetings. I've heard a lot of talk and rhetoric and, you know, we solve all kind of problems down here and, and, and nothing ever happens really. Uh, but this is the most aligned that I've ever been a part of, you know, as far as the coaches, the ADs, the commissioner, as far as on the same page, aligned and really understanding, you know, what the issues are and what, what we think is the best path forward. And, and quite frankly, I think probably it's the same in the other conferences as well. So we'll see where it goes. We'll, we'll navigate it. And when it's all said and done, I really think we'll, have a, we'll be better than we've ever been, better for the players, better for the fans, just a better structure overall to, to really be able to impact and make positive changes. I mean, like, and that's, as coaches, that's what we do. Like, we fix problems, we make decisions every single day. And um, I think in the end, uh, that'll win the day. All right, Mac Brown obviously has two additions at Carolina, 1-0 and 2-0. But as you sit today in these meetings, you're the dean of ACC football coaches. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That but, is crazy. But let me ask you this. I'm going to give you one opportunity. You can strike a policy, strike a rule, do whatever you want to do today. Amidst all this chaos, what's the first thing you would attack as the most tenured coach in the ACC right now? Uh, I, can t I can answer that for you. Every game's played at Clemson. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Halfley's almost bought into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm been gonna tell like you this: times if this new three-five comes out and Halfley has to go to Clemson, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, he's out. <laughs> he's, he's out. out. Halfley's gonna bag you. Well, oh man, there's a lot of things. But I mean, that, would that it be would... off the field? Would it be on the field? Would it be recruiting? Well, I would say would it be I would something? say two things. Number one, to me, because it's immediate on my mind and it's and it's and it's incredibly frustrating, is to be able to bring our roster in for camp in the fall. Right. You know, this 110 rule is the, it's just it's ridiculous. Uh, we're talking about your, your walk-ons. Right. And um, uh, it, it just, we, they go through spring, they're there all summer, they grind, they train, they're paying their way. Uh, and we're talking about two weeks of camp when your team is most exposed ever. Right. You never have this that amount of time where you're practicing back to back to back to back, ever, all year. And, and you need these guys, and we have to tell them, hey, you got to go you know, sit over there for 12 days after you've trained all summer. And we're talking about the bottom part of your roster. You know, but what, you know, because everybody's either got 115, 120, 125, it really doesn't matter. But to not be able to bring your kids in, that just, it drives me crazy. That would be the first thing. That would be like, poof, done, it would be simple. Uh, you know, and then the second thing, I would blow up the way, the whole governance structure, because as I said, we can fix a lot of problems, but you, you, these committees, right. committees for committees for committees for committees, and then you have no representation. You know, you might have 18 people on a committee, but only four really represent your problems. And it's just, it's trying to fit everything under one tent is way, way, way um, behind us. So I would change the structure, the governance structure, the way things are organized. And I'd get that dang 110 changed uh, because that's it's crazy to me. All right, before we let you go and get to work with meetings, meetings, more community meetings, uh, <laughs> uh, what about your football team? We were done with spring. What do you love about this football team? Yeah, I love the fact we had 109 guys go through spring and we not one left. You know? Yeah, well, there you I, go. I, and there wasn't one guy that I was sitting around May 
1st or whenever that was, April 30th, you know, going, uh-oh, what's going to happen? So I think we have a very committed team. I think we've got a team that's got a lot of self-awareness. Uh, in all my 109 exit meetings with those guys, I, I think it's a very self-aware team. Uh, there was nobody that, you know, I, I felt like we weren't on the same page. And uh, so I love that. I think we've got great leadership. And, but we're like everybody else. we got a lot of work to do this, this summer. Uh, we had 21 guys out, you know, this spring. Uh, you know, for most all, except for two, were, were postseason injuries, recovery, surgeries, et cetera, because it was a, a crazy year. So getting healthy. But I think we got a good football team in the making. We, we, you know, as I tell them all the time, we got the ingredients. We just got to put it all together. So it's a big summer for everyone. This is, this is what we call the transformation time of our year. And if we'll put the work in, do what it takes, um, you know, come August, uh, good Lord keeps us healthy, I think we got a chance to, to be a really good football team. And uh, we were a good team last year. Uh, I know 10 and three is a disappointment to a lot of people, but I, I was really proud of that football team and what they, how they finished. Yeah. Uh, so I think we got good momentum. And again, coming out of spring, good leadership, a lot of the intangibles and the things that you can't really measure on paper or, or really see sometimes, I think this team has uh, deep inside it. Coach, you know what? People don't realize how hard it is to win 10 games, do they? I mean, Man. and you've done it 11 years in a row now. I mean, yeah. it, you've, you've made it look easy, and it absolutely is not. Well, you know, that's happened three times in the history of football. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alabama now, Clemson now, and, and Ohio State. I mean, not Ohio Florida State. State. Ohio State's going for their 11th. Yeah. They've had 10, and I think they're going for their 11th in a row. But Florida State and, and the Coach Bowden, and that's it. If it was that's easy it. to do, there'd be a lot more people. And here's how hard it is to win. As crazy as years we had, and we're sitting there four and three, and, man, they got U-Haul trucks outside the Sweeney house. Uh, <laughs> you know, not, not even two men in a truck. It's U-Haul. U-Haul it on out here. Uh, uh, maybe I'll get an NIL deal with U-Haul. Uh, uh, yeah, you need one. But That's what you're looking for. But, you know, yeah. we now have the longest winning streak in the nation. I know. Yeah. Going into the end of the season. How, with six. Yeah. We won six in a row. Yeah. You know, when Alabama got beat, that, that, that changed. That puts us – I mean, that's crazy. We got crazy. some people in the media say, oh, poor program, it's dead. Dynasty, <laughs> you guys can't play dead in cowboy movies. Yeah, yeah. Crazy world. Good man. to see you. you Thanks, too, guys. Yeah, appreciate enjoy it. Appreciate what y'all do for the ACC. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Keep uh, winning, will you? Yeah. Will you we'll win back. some games, Sweeney? Please. Uh, we got to win. is coming up next. Uh, we will talk to the head coach of the Hurricanes hoops team, and we will do that next when we continue. Day two coverage of the ACC spring meetings from the beautiful, fabulous Ritz-Carlton in Amelia Island, Florida. Packer and Durham. Beautiful Amelia Island. Now, there are some people around here that say, boy, it's freezing cold up here. That would be our next guest <laughs> who uh, said, well, you guys don't understand. There's Florida and then there's Florida. The head basketball coach of the Miami Hurricanes, Jim Laranega, joins us. Freezing yet? It's freezing it up here. It's, it, what, what is it, like 65 here? It's 80 at home. <laughs> I, I need another jacket. Yeah. Uh, and you grew up in the Bronx, but that's another story. Um, okay, here we are. You're going into meetings. This is the third day of meetings, technically. Some of us started on Monday. You guys met yesterday. What's the takeaway for Jim Laranega going into today about what's been discussed in the last day and today? 
You know, well, we discuss almost the same things every year. Okay. Whatever the new agenda item is, that becomes a focal point. <clears throat> uh, this year, our focal, focal point was on how do we get more ACC teams into the big dance. Right. Very, very disappointing that a Wake Forest team that had a great ACC run, 10-1 and one in the non-conference, 13-7 and seven in the ACC, and is not in the big dance. Virginia goes 12-8 and eight in the ACC. In years past, they would say if you went 10-10, and 10, you're in right. because the league is so good. But a lot of people underestimated how good the ACC was this year. We didn't get off to a great start in non-conference, but look what we did in the big dance. Five teams. The ACC had the best record of any conference in the NCAA tournament with 14 wins. How about what you guys did, man? First Elite Eight. I mean, I know you were proud of this group. And, you know, great guard play can catch you and get hot. I mean, you got just great experience, guys that really knew how to play the game. Yeah, we had a veteran team, but what made them so good is how well they, they, they pulled together. Yeah. You know, you take a couple of transfers like a Charlie Moore and a Jordan Miller <clears throat> and bring them into a team with, with a Sam Wardenberg, Isaiah Wong, and Cam Augusti, they have to fit right with those guys. And it took us a little while to get the chemistry right, the right offense that we wanted to run, the way we wanted to play defense, because we were a kind of a sleight of build team. We didn't have big, strong, bulky guys. We were not going to be good rebounding the basketball. We just didn't have enough size. But these guys figured it out. Not only did we, did we play well in the regular season, we advanced in the ACC tournament and then played our best basketball in March Madness. But now the landscape of all this changes, right? I mean, there's the portal, there's name, image, and likeness. There's all this kind of resetting from a roster management perspective. Is this different than last year in that light? I mean, I know you added Miller and more of the guys you talked about, but you find yourself kind of doing the same thing again from a roster retooling? Absolutely. It's Groundhog's Day every year. Yeah. You got you to make your changes. You got to make your adjustments. We lose five guys, Charlie Moore, Cam Augusti, Sam Ordenberg, Dan Geck, Rodney Miller. We bring in six new guys. Okay. That's half our roster. How do we figure out how to bring our transfers and our freshmen, bring them together with the veteran players who we know what they're capable of doing, and then build a team around all that talent? We've got enough talent. Hmm. How they blend together is really important because as much talent as we have, so does every other team in the ACC. Coach, here's the other thing, too, from a basketball perspective. It feels very different than a year ago. Where you got this sense there were so many guys leaving the league yeah. in the transfer portal, and you kind of wondered, all right, well, what's coming in? Of course, we don't know what a roster is going to look like until August, September, October. But this year it feels different. It seems like there are more guys coming back, staying, that said, hey, listen, I could have left, but no, I'm staying. It seems like the league's going to be deeper than it was a year ago. feels that way. Well, you have certain teams at the top of the league, I think, certainly fall into that category. The first two teams that come to my mind right now as we speak is Carolina and Virginia. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're loaded, okay? Yeah. But, you know, last year, no one knew who was going to really develop during the course of the season. And that, I think, is going to be true every year from now on. Okay. Because transfers are going to make a, dif a, a big difference. Kids who transfer out are going to make a big difference. The guys who go to the NBA are going to open up slots for somebody to step into that, that role. And you just don't know who, who's going to develop. That's an interesting dynamic here. It's hard to account for it, though, right? Because 
Steve Forbes used the term with us last year. You got to kind of have an identity when you evaluate a singular player, how it's going to plug and fit with these other guys. You just mentioned six new guys. Is the bigger challenge finding the not the six, but the fit of those guys? Yeah, and that's, and that's exactly right. Because you're not going to play all six with your six returning players. They just don't. You don't have room to play 12 guys. You got to figure out your starting five. That be, that becomes your first priority. Who are the best guys to get us started? And then who are the guys that can come in off the bench, play a key role, and keep us rolling during the course of the game? I want to brag about you a second. I've told you this before, but when Miami joined the league, the concept was Miami football. Holy mackerel. They're going to join the ACC. We're going to see Miami and Florida State every single year in the ACC for a football championship. That poor basketball program, what are they going to do with the Dukes and the Carolinas and, the, you know, Maryland's and Virginia's? And here we are in 2022. And you know what? We hope that Coach Chris Ball gets Miami football back and rolling again. But you have taken the basketball program. You've won an ACC championship. You're going to the Elite Eight. I mean, you have done an absolutely ridiculously great job. I know you got the contract extension. And I still remember the first time doing a, a basketball event where you're like, well, Pac, you know, I'm going to be out there handing out pizzas. We just need to get people to understand in Miami, hey, we got a basketball team. And just go on out and just sample, just see what we're going to do. And I'm thinking, this poor Larinaga, I know it's going to go down there to Miami, go get a nice tan, maybe co- coach a couple years, put some more dollars in his back pocket, go to the beach and chill out. Dude, here you are in 2022, and you're rocking it and just got it going on. You've done a ridiculously great job. Well, thank you. Tony Kornheiser uh, on PTI, after I left to take the Miami job, said, hey, he's going down there to retire. <laughs> right, right. right. But, you know, I, I love coaching. I love basketball. I love working with my players. I love being around young kids. They bring a lot of energy. And uh, I signed an extension. I'm, I'm going to be there. Uh, I love living in Miami. I love working at the University of Miami. It's a great academic institution and great people. So it's yeah. fun. Uh, by the way, at this event, just so you know, one of the legendary tales of this event occurred when you were an assistant at Virginia. You know, at the ACC spring meetings one year, Krzyzewski, Valvano, and Kremens hung out in the men's room to wait for Dean Smith to go into the coaches' meeting so that they could be the last ones in because Dean was legendary for being the last guy in the room. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the great stories of all time. I was thinking, nobody's probably hanging out to be the last guy in the room today. Everybody wants to get their seat, right? <laughs> All, all, all I know is it's not be the last one in, it be the first one out. out. That's it. <laughs> Those rooms are so cold, it's bitter. Jim Larinaga, great to see you. Uh, Thanks, Thank you, as always. Coach. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. More to come from Amelia Island. Uh, this uh, 7 o'clock hour has got a lot of meat on the bone. 8 o'clock hour, just the same. We'll continue our coverage in a moment on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. Yeah, we're still at Amelia Island, and Tough we don't job. plan on leaving until at least till tomorrow. Yeah. Give Tough or take. Job. Tough job. Busy show today. Busy show tomorrow. Uh, full coverage of the final day of meetings coming up tomorrow for you, including the commissioner of the ACC. Jim Phillips will be with us at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning uh, for a half hour. And uh, still to come, uh, coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour, Kelly Gramlich and Luke Hancock. Uh, after some conversations with coaches on both the men's and women's sides about where this might go. Uh, Mac Brown and Courtney Banghart as well. Look forward to those visits. You know, you just told a story to Jim Larinaga about uh, ex-coaches and the late, great Jim Valvano. I saw yesterday I did too. that Ray Romano 
is going to star and produce in a new movie, and he is going to portray Jim Valvano. Right. You're going to go right both into no. Well, I get that part. <laughs> You're going to buy. I mean, I keep thinking of uh, the Woolly Mammoth. You know, it was Ice Age, which he was the voice of. And again, you know, everybody loves Raymond, all that stuff. And I, and I saw that story yesterday. I kept thinking to myself, now he, I kept closing my eyes thinking, can I see him as Jim Valvano? Right. Ray Romano. Right. I, I don't know if I can buy that yet. I'm not sure I can either. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I hope it works. I know uh, Jim's daughter, Jamie, uh, tweeted it out yesterday, uh, linked to an article at Deadline.com about this production that's taking place. Um, and it's based on Balvano's career and inspiring stories. Right, and, and their like family is going to help out with yeah, the production in terms of artifacts yeah. and everything else. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just amazing. Uh, that sounds like a segment for our show once we get back to the basement, uh, of which Hollywood star could base, basically portray your head football coach or basketball coach. Like just, just a future thought once we get off the island, per se, right? back to maybe, reality. Maybe like next week. Like Monday. But we're in the basement. Yeah, we're back, like I said, but we're back in, in the, the basement, basement next week. Just saying. But Before that's, you go to Europe. That's right. My, in fact, I just got a note from our daughter. Yeah. With the countdown, countdown to Italy. Countdown on to Europe for Packer. Yeah, we'll get to uh, that. We'll be, we'll worry be about checked that. out by about Thursday. No, 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 no. no. The Thursday-Friday shows will happen, no. but Packer will be checked no, out on the way I'm to the airport. I'm a professional. I will bring an A-game effort all the way to the bitter end. <laughs> to the bitter end. <laughs> and then I'll be out of here. Then you'll be Catch out. you later. Never Two heard weeks. of yeah. Pack West Durham online, too. Don't know him. Don't know him. Never heard yeah, of the man don't, before. Don't know the man. Take a message. Uh, no, but I think that's a good idea for next week. I like I, that. I, I just give, again, for everybody sitting at home watching, just give that one some thought. Your favorite team, your head coach, football, basketball. Maybe it's a soccer coach or something. You say, you know what? A dead ringer for fill in the blank. Nothing like having a production meeting for the show next week. Oh, we're morning. just throwing it out there. At Amelia Island. Yeah, we're just, Maybe we don't get to come back here. <laughs> no, we better soak this up oh because uh, this after could be tomorrow, it till, uh, July. Yeah, well, yeah. it's not even that because July we're in Charlotte. That's what I'm saying. It's not much of a trip. Well, yeah. I tell you, for yeah. some it's a big. A- after Amelia Island, I mean, going three miles down the street to Charlotte, I got to be telling you a little truth here. That's a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah. Same. Okay. The uh, I, I can stop by like the local Dairy Queen on the way and kind of <laughs> spruce things up. Bojangles. Can't find those there. No, 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 not at the fabulous Ritz Carlton. By the way, uh, Jeff Halfley last night at the dinner, very upset with us. Uh, yeah. And started actually good. pointed the finger at me. Hey, you, Packer, where's that pink Himalayan sea salt you keep talking about? He's yeah. been combing the whole countryside looking for it. But apparently last night he found it. I directed him to the right spot. There you go. Now we're on the good side of Halfley again. We're going to get our... Sh- what was he? What did he give the Shake Shack yeah, gift cards? Yeah, that what he gave sure us? did. Yeah, we're yeah, in good we, shape. We got to stay in good standings with we're half. In real good shape with the Boston College hip. I think we've done some good work here. We got more to come through. A lot more football coaches the next two days. Things like that. We're in good shape, I think, coaching wise. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, Mac Brown, Courtney Banghart coming they up. They haven't slid the. Uh, you need to check out by noon underneath my door yet. So I'm going to hang around for another no, day or so. No, they have not. Um, one of the things that is going to be discussed again today here uh, as some of these meetings wrap, and then there is a huge General Assembly meeting tomorrow morning. That's kind of the final meeting of the, uh, of the ACC spring session. That, that particular meeting will almost kind of galvanize the game plan for the next academic year and objectives and things of that nature. There is no doubt that the governance structure, you just heard Dabo Sweeney say it a half hour ago, 
the governance structure of what is major college athletics is going to be a big, big discussion point. And remember, kind of, they had an event last week in Scottsdale. The ACC meets this week. Southeastern Conference will come up toward the end of the month pack. That's where they meet down on the Gulf. Uh, you get the Big 12 and Pac-12 and Big 10. They'll also conduct some smaller sessions like this after the event in Scottsdale last week. To me, the governance structure of major college athletics is coming into focus now as an objective around a lot of the landscape. Well, I, I think the power leagues are starting, and not that they just dawned on them, but I, I get a sense that, hey, the ball's in their court. Yeah. Uh, while the NCAA tries to figure out what it is and what's its role, again, I, you know, everybody dumps on the NCAA, and I jump on that bandwagon all the time. Right. They do do some good things. I think they do great jobs conducting events. Yes. I think they do an outstanding job, to be honest with you, from an event marketing perspective and operations and so forth but from a power standpoint uh you know i, I just think this is coming back home mm -hmm. to the power five leagues to go hey guess what it's going to be our responsibility to kind of guide where college athletics goes yeah. and no disrespect to the group of five and everybody else but hey the money the divide is amongst the big boys at the top and then everybody else will have to follow suit yeah and i think the one thing that is coming into clear focus here is that this governance structure of major college athletics is in for a complete overhaul in one form or fashion. Now you can subscribe to some theories if you like. We have here, talking about five commissioners and Jack Swarbrick, uh, taking the reins of what will be the next line of college athletics. Is there a said organization of membership like the NCAA? That's yet to really be determined here. But the voices in the room, and you just, again, I'll go back to what Dabo Sweeney said, there's much more alignment coming out of this right now than he can recall. That's a critical piece to ultimate success for the Power Five and Notre Dame or however this conglomerate is formed. Well, I would be willing to bet that if we walk through the lobbies of the other Power Five conferences during their spring meetings, yeah. I sense the theme will be very consistent. And especially after talking to coaches now, face-to-face -face for the last couple of days since we've been here. Right. There is such concern, whether we're talking about men's basketball, women's basketball, football, you name it, of the coaches that are just really kind of looking for a rope. I mean, just throw us something that we can at least kind of follow what direction we're going in. And so I, I suspect that if when you walk into the SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12 uh, meetings and so forth, there will be a very consistent theme amongst the coaches and administrators of what they're going through, much what we've heard since we've been to Amelia Island. Yeah. I think it's consistent around the land. I, I, I would agree with that. I think it's going to be interesting after the ACC conducts theirs to now hear some more commentary and opinion from around the country as we move toward June. Then remember, typical college athletics fashion, for about six and a half weeks, everything goes quiet. All of June, for the most part. Now, there have been some exceptions here in the last couple of years, NIL launching a year ago in July. But for the most part, traditionally, there's a six-week window from kind of early June to mid-July where things go very quiet. Then you get to those football media events in July, mid-July on, and that's where things get ramped up. I'll be honest with you, Wes. I don't think it can be quiet for these next six weeks. I think it's such a pivotal time in college athletics uh, from a leadership standpoint, I, right. I don't think it can be quiet, to be honest with you. Whether that be, hey, Congress comes to their senses and wants to jump in and do something about it, or you see the Phillips, you know, right. Sankeys of the world come to the forefront and say, guess what? Here's what else we have formed 
moving forward. I, I think we're at a critical junction in terms of what direction is college athletics going to go in. And uh, we'll talk about the legal part of this all you want. But I also think what comes out of this from an ACC football scheduling standpoint, I'll be kind of curious to see if that's got a trickle-down effect on other leagues. I mean, that, the debate always used to be, should you play nine conference games or eight? That is not up for – that's not even on the docket. It doesn't seem like anymore. The question now becomes, how do you schedule? And a lot of that obviously has tie-ins to television. I mean, your television partner wants to have the best games with their respective networks and so forth. So, like I said, I, I don't think we can be quiet for the next six weeks in that quote-unquote dead period. I, I think there's just so much going on right now that needs to be addressed ASAP. Yeah, that's why we'll, – and we'll talk to the commissioner tomorrow about this – he is going to meet with some of the gathered media this afternoon, so you may see some comments coming up later today from his remarks. Tomorrow, though, we will talk to him extensively about this schedule model. We will also go NIL and transfer portal. Remember, Jim Phillips sits on that governance committee that is reshaping the landscape of college athletics. Uh, I want to ask him what he thinks now after a full year he went through his listening tour. He's now gone through a full athletic season just about, with the exception of a handful of championships. What does that look like for him? And what does he see as the ACC's next move? Because, as you know, he sees it from a different perspective. And it's been a welcome perspective, I think, in some respect. No, no question. And here's the other thing, too. Who's going to be the first league to adapt a new scheduling policy, right? Because it's, there's a lot of copycat that goes on here, right? I mean... And again, the issues like the Southeastern Conference will have a completely different scenario of what hey, OU Texas eventually joins. Right. Do they go a pod system? What are they going to do? So they got other issues that the conference that we represent will go through. But like, does the Big Ten eliminate divisions? Right. The Pac-12s whispered down the hallway that, hey, you know what? We may go down right. So I'm kind of curious to see which conference is the first to kind of jump in the deep end of the pool and go, ta-da. Here's what we're going to do with football scheduling. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to either keep divisions or we're going to abolish them. We're going to just have one. So it's a lot of copycat goes on. And the only reason I don't bring up the Big 12 is because, ironically, they're, they're going, going in the exact opposite direction because of expansion that they've been kind of late to the party. But with OU Texas leaving, they're adding teams, yeah. and they've always just had one division. And now they're going to split into two, which is completely counter to what we're talking about, whether it be the Big Ten, Pac-12, or the ACC, or even the SEC for that matter. Yeah, that part, I think, is going to be interesting. If the ACC were to set the bar and announce it hypothetically tomorrow. I don't think they will. No, I don't either. But if they were to be the first in the pool with the schedule change, who would then follow? Because I sense everyone. I, I think more often than not, you're right. The Big 12 appears to be going two divisions simply from a geography perspective. And numbers. Right. I mean, really, 10 has always been, to me, the perfect number for a conference. A round robin, you mean? Yeah, because yeah. You, you can hold your basketball home and away. Everybody right. sees everybody. You come to my house, I go to yours. So football, hey, you schedule everybody. You got nine conference games. You take your top two at the top. They play for a championship. 10's always been a, a very easy, workable number. When we went into expansion and all the realignment and all that stuff, you start getting into 14, up to 16 yeah. teams now. It changed the entire dynamic in terms of scheduling to divisions and everything else. So, you know, we go through cycles with all that, but it's a, there's a lot of copycat when it comes. I'm just kind of curious, given the fact that all this conversation this week with scheduling, what's the format going to be from a football perspective? Uh, does the ACC make the first move? And then, therefore, who else will follow? 
like the Big Ten or the Pac-12 yeah. and the Alliance. But there is plenty on the table now. I mean, and it continues to roll here from Amelia Island today. When we come back, 8 o'clock hour, the talk of division, some reaction from social media. There's a look from the Packers suite. Yep, penthouse boys. Yep. How y'all doing? That's how you live in Uptown right now in Amelia Island if you're Mark Packer. On the top up. row. Yep, up top and in the corners. Yep. Commissioner Phillips to the left and nobody to the right. <laughs> Sit tight. Hour two from Amelia Island is next on Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.